beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious God, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be faithful to you. For you and you alone are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. I first met Don Plez uh, my first semester at Southwestern College. I had a roommate who was a sophomore, so he had gotten to know Don uh, his first year, and he made a point of introducing me to Don not long after I arrived on campus. Now, for those of you who have been to Southwestern, you know who Don is. Her and I could not be more different. (laughs) When I came to Southwestern, I was a shy, timid, skinny, white kid from Wichita. And Don was and is a large African-American woman from Chicago with an even larger personality. And by the time I arrived to Southwestern College the fall of 2013, she had already been there for well over 25 years working in the administration. Now, folks called her Mama Don because in many ways she is the heartbeat of the campus. She's kind of a pastoral figure to many people, and uh, she kind of holds the spirit of the college together. And when I first met Dawn, I had a sense that she took a liking to me, and to this day, I cannot tell you why. But before long, Dawn had become, became a mentor to me. 
and we met regularly from uh, time to time in her office, and she became somebody who, more than anybody else on that campus, had the ability to speak truth and hope into my life. Before long, I started calling her the prophetess because she was one who seemed to always have a word of truth and a word of wisdom for me. And whenever I called her a prophet, she would always laugh, but I think she liked it because it was my way of telling her that her voice mattered deeply to me. And there was one day when I was in the office of the prophet, this would have been my spring semester of my sophomore year, and I was sitting on her black leather couch, and I remember she spoke a prophecy over me that was especially powerful. She said, Daniel, you've been here for almost two years, and I've noticed that you take yourself far too seriously. And she was right. She said, Daniel, you are eager to play Jesus in the homecoming parade, but you are not willing to let yourself enjoy your college experience. You're not willing to just be human. You're always trying to be perfect. And she was right. So there in that office, as I sat on her black leather couch, she encouraged me to take a summer and just do something that I wanted to do. Take a break from the Christian summer camps. Take a break from the ministry internships and go do something fun and trust that God would somehow be in the midst of it. These were words of truth that I needed to hear. And so because of her advice that day, as I sat on her black leather couch, I ended up um, in Lexington, Virginia for three months that summer making pottery on a farm. <laughs> and I made 350 pots that uh, summer, and I learned how to garden, and I met some amazing people, and I discovered, yes, that God could find me even in a farm in nowhere, Virginia, as I continued to learn what it meant to let God mold and shape the clay of my heart. It was one of the best experiences of my life, and I'm thankful to Mama Dawn, the prophetess, who spoke the words of truth that I needed to hear that encouraged me to go. See, when we think about prophets, we often, at least I do, have this image in my mind of somebody gazing into a crystal ball trying to tell the future. But if we look in the Old Testament, we see that more often than not, prophets speak the truth about the present. They help people hear and discern and know what God is doing here and now. Prophets are those people who have an ability to speak the truth to us when we need to hear it. They are those people who can speak words of hope and affirmation and encouragement when we're in those days where everything just seems lost. We need prophets in our life. We need people who will surround us with that community of love and forgiveness when we struggle to believe for ourselves that the good news can be for us. I think we especially need prophets this time of year because we all know that Christmas is coming. I'm sure you've been busy preparing already buying gifts and cleaning the house and preparing the way 
But perhaps for some of us, even though Christmas is just a week away, it is difficult to believe that the good news of Christmas can actually come to you. That the good news of the angels declaring that on this day the Son of God is born would actually be for you. Sometimes we struggle to believe that the story we hear on Christmas is real, is true, and can actually shape and change our lives. And so we need people to come around us and to remind us to speak the words of truth, to help us to see what God is doing in our midst. Friends, I think Mary is no exception. Now, when we encounter Mary in the text that Gary read, uh, this is the story where the angel Gabriel comes to her and announces this wonderful news that she will give birth to a son that will be the Messiah. Now, we often remember this particular passage for the last thing that Mary says because after she hears all that is to happen, she says those wonderful words, let it be unto me according to your word. Perhaps the most profound words of human faithfulness ever spoken. But let us not forget today that before Mary said, let it be unto me, she said, how can this be? When the angel comes and gives his greeting, she is perplexed. She is confused what this all means. And when she hears that she's going to give birth to the Son of God, she rightly asks, how can this possibly be? For I am a virgin. I think Mary struggles to believe that the story of Christmas could be real and that it could be real for her. And so we pick up the story after the angel leaves, and we find that Mary decides not to go tell Joseph, which would have made sense. Hey, by the way, we're going to have a kid. She doesn't go tell her parents, but she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. Let's continue the gospel reading. This begins in verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Now, we don't get to learn a lot about Elizabeth, but we do know that she was much older than Mary. Luke says that she was getting on in her years, and her and her husband, Zechariah, had not been able to conceive a child. She was known to be barren. But in the story, just a little bit before we pick it up with Mary, we hear that God heard the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and so Elizabeth, too, miraculously conceives in her old age a child. 
and this child will be John the Baptist, the one who goes before Jesus to speak the truth and prophesy about the coming of the Lord, right? But other than that, we don't know much about her. She might be an aunt, she might be a cousin, but we know she's older. But when Mary hears the good news and struggles to believe, the story says she sets out with haste to visit Elizabeth. Now, Mary was in a town called Nazareth. This was way in the north. And Elizabeth and Zechariah lived in the south in the province of Judea. And this would have been probably a 70-mile trip that Mary makes. It would have taken her seven or eight days. And let's just appreciate for a moment how the scripture does not say that anybody goes with Mary. So I want us to imagine a young, poor, teenage girl braving the dangerous wilderness roads for seven or eight days, perhaps all by herself, because she's so desperate to get to Elizabeth. And why does she want to see Elizabeth so much? I think it's because she needs help believing that the good news is for her. She hears from the angel that Elizabeth had miraculously conceived and was already in the sixth month of her pregnancy. So perhaps she thinks, if I go to Elizabeth and, and, and see that she is in fact pregnant, that God's promise is true for her, maybe, just maybe, what God has promised to me would also be true. And as soon as Mary walks in the door, as soon as she says hello, we hear that John, who's in the womb of Elizabeth, gives a giant kick. Now, I was talking to my sister about this on uh, Friday night because she gave birth not too long ago, and we were talking about what it would mean to leap in the womb. And she said, oh, I have a video clip of the first time I felt my daughter kick. And, and so we looked at the video, and I promise you we had to watch it five or six times just to see the kick it looked like a little popcorn kernel just popping in her stomach but the gospel says this was not just a little popcorn popping kind of kick this was john leaping inside elizabeth and because of this reaction of john the baptist who was prophesying already in the womb to the truth of what is before him elizabeth knows too and so Elizabeth says, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me? Now, two things that are kind of cool about this. Mary never says that she's pregnant. But Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, knows the truth and so speaks that truth, prophesies it almost over Mary. And I say, probably helps Mary believe that what was spoken to her by the angels is true. Elizabeth's support, her encouragement, her affirmation, her community of support and encouragement helps Mary believe the good news. And in doing so, Elizabeth becomes the first person in the Gospel of Luke to declare that Jesus is Lord. Did you catch this? Who am I that the mother of my Lord would come to me? In the Gospel of Luke, it is a woman who first says Jesus is Lord, and it is a woman who first declares that Jesus is raised from the dead. Pretty cool. And it is because of Elizabeth's prophecy. 
It is because she speaks the words of truth over Mary to help her believe that Mary's fear and doubt moves and is transformed into rejoicing. Because after she meets Elizabeth there that day, she is able to say the words that she has come to be known for, the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord, she says, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. She's able to say this because in Elizabeth's encouragement, she encounters and experiences the love of God. Elizabeth's encouragement is exactly what Mary needed to turn that fear and doubt into rejoicing. Elizabeth's presence was a place of safety and refuge for Mary when she needed help the most. And as a result, the scripture says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. The first three months of Mary's pregnancy and the last three of Elizabeth's. And just as Elizabeth is offered to hold space for hope with Mary, Mary holds space for hope with Elizabeth because she waits those last three months as Elizabeth is pregnant. And she's there on the day that John the Baptist is born. The relationship between Mary and Elizabeth is a beautiful example of how God works through other people, even people who are different than us, to help us know the truth about what God is doing in our life. Elizabeth was well on in years. Mary was a teenager. I was a college freshman. Don was the senior administrator. But in these relationships, we find the care and the love of God. And in Elizabeth and Mary, between an elderly woman and her much younger relative, each person demonstrates that mutual care and support and affirmation that so many of us need. Because sometimes it's hard to believe that the good news is really good and that the good news can come for us. Friends, this is what the church is meant to be. A place of intergenerational community where we hold space for hope when it's difficult to believe. When we're in a period of waiting to see if God's promises are really going to come for us, we hold hope for one another and we speak the truth that God is love and God is trustworthy and true. If you look closely at what we do at Aldersgate, you'll see examples of this intergenerational community of love and forgiveness all over the place. We saw it today in the 8 o'clock service when uh, the person had their health experience and people from all over swooped in to make sure that she was okay, to offer her tender care. Was this not not just them coming, but an example and an illustration of how God comes to us in our deepest times of need. When periods of doubt, chaos, and confusion, and grief seem to be overwhelming to meet us with the tender care we need to heal. 
We see it in confirmation mentors who covenant to walk with young people for six months at a time to encourage them and nurture them in the faith. We're going to see it again on Wednesday night at the Blue Christmas service where people from all generations will come together and be really honest about the fact that sometimes the holidays don't feel joyful because there's grief and confusion and doubt. And we're going to hold space together for hope. And we're going to speak the truth over one another that even when all seems lost, the hope we have in Christ is trustworthy and true. This is what we do as the people of God in the community of faith. Now, most of all, and this is the last example, we see it in the sacrament of baptism. At the 8 o'clock service today, we baptized two precious girls, Eden and Opal Woody. And I want to suggest to you that when we baptize children, what we're doing is, in a sense, prophesying over them. Now, I know that sounds a little weird, but hear me out. When we baptize, we're speaking the truth of God's love over children. That before we were ever able to know or be aware of what God is doing in our lives, God comes to us first to extend grace and love. There is nothing more true that we can speak over anybody than you are loved by God, you are claimed by God, and you belong in the family of God. And this is what we say when we baptize children. We speak the truth about what God is doing in their hearts, and we promise to be that community of love and forgiveness for them. So who are your Elizabeths? Who are the people that, that God is calling you to lean on when, when the grief and the confusion seems to be too difficult? When the doubt begins to creep in. Friends, doubt is part of the spiritual journey, and it was for Mary, and it can be for you too. And there are people who will surround you to support you in that time. Who are your Marys? Who are the people that God is calling you to pour into, to support and encourage, to be that place of safety and affirmation when they need to hear the truth? Who are your prophets? As we look to Christmas just a week away, let us remember that we are called to be an intergenerational community that holds the hope that yes, Christ is coming, even for us. Thanks be to God. Amen.